um, if you have notes, please make sure please make sure you have the right notes because the old ones were not thrown away. We're in part seven. Um, so yes, make sure you have that right note. It's two pages, not just one page. So as we uh, discussed before, we're trying to memorize Isaiah 53, but we're going to start from 52.13 all the way till the end of chapter 53. So I thought it might be a good way to help us out is every week we're going to read the passage from where we started till we stopped. So this way every week we can try to say it together. Hopefully that will help us to memorize it by the time we finish Isaiah 53. So let's read that passage all of us together. Again, I want you to engrave these verses, the, the word of God, into your mind and in your heart as well. So we're going to start from Isaiah 52 verse 13. And let's all read this together. And if you know it by heart, you don't have to look in the, in the notes. Here is what that word of the Lord says. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouth at him. <clears throat> For what had not been told, them they shall see. And what they had not heard, they shall consider. Now chapter 53. Who has believed our report, and to whom the arm of the Lord has been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or commonness, and we will, and we will see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as we hid, uh, as it were, our faces from him, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Yet surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisements for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we, we are healed. Amen. <coughs> Amen. We talked about this. This is week number 7 in Isaiah 53. We started from Isaiah 52 verse uh, 13. And we kind of taken it almost word by word or phrase by phrase because it's just so good. Isaiah wrote this chapter almost 700 years before Christ came. And in that chapter... The Holy Spirit used Isaiah to vividly describe and tell us what went through Jesus, the kind of pain that Jesus has endured for us on the cross. This is week almost 50 or 51, talking about shadows of Golgotha, where we started from the very first book in the Bible. We're trying to see all the pictures of the Old Testament that tells us about the cross of Christ. Because that is the focal point of the Bible, Christianity, and God's plan for the fallen human race. Amen? Amen. 
we have come to the very last part of verse 5 where it says and by his stripes we are healed and that's where we're going to stop today we're going to think about this phrase we're going to meditate on it and we're going to try to break it down a little bit so in order for us to understand what Isaiah meant when he said by his stripes we are healed I'm going to highlight or focus on three main points the first thing we're going to do is we're going to try to break down that phrase in Hebrew and just try to figure out what Isaiah was trying to tell us. And this phrase was actually quoted verbatim by Peter in the New Testament in 1 Peter chapter 2. So we got to go to the New Testament and see how Peter thought of that phrase and what it meant to him and in the context that he quoted it in. And after we look at what the Hebrew says and what the Greek says about this, then we're going to try to understand the meaning of that phrase and how this can be applied to you and me. You follow me so far? Yeah. All right, let's start with the first part. Let's go into the Isaiah text, the phrase that Isaiah said, by his stripes we were healed, and just try to break it down a little bit. The word that Isaiah used, stripes, is literally means scourging or wounds. The idea that Isaiah used is when you um, inflict a wound on somebody through a blow, like you hit somebody or you strike somebody or uh, you hit somebody with a, with a scourge and that blow a, a wound in him, that's pretty much the word that Isaiah was using here. It is rightly translated stripes. That's the best description of what Isaiah is intended. This word can either mean physical uh, pain, physical wound. We see that a couple of times in Genesis 4 and in Exodus 21. But it can also mean spiritual affliction. So it doesn't necessarily mean a physical wound. It can also mean affliction that you can go through. We see that a couple of examples as well in Isaiah, uh, in, in Psalm 38 and in Isaiah 1. Isaiah 1 we see God talking to the children of Israel and he's saying I have been dis disciplining you for so long so you can come back to me and you're not coming back to me and God is saying I have uh, scourged you I have um, like hit you with a scourge and no nothing happened you're still unrepenting obviously that God did not scourge the nation of Israel literally but he's talking about the kind of affliction he put in them so they can return to him and they won't even listen and that's precisely what Isaiah was saying here. Remember, Isaiah is talking about the servant of the Lord who will be our substitute. He is the one who is going to take our pain so that we can have life. And here, Isaiah is saying that that servant of the Lord will come and he will be our substitute. Before that, he just said that the price of our peace, the cost that will bring us peace, he has uphold. Before that, he even said that he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. What Isaiah is telling us here in verse 5 and the whole chapter is that the servant will be our substitute. He will suffer. He will die. He will be scourged so that we can have life. We can have peace and that we can be healed. Amen. Amen. Now the word for healed is the Hebrew word Rafa, which if you're a Christian, you probably know this word. It, it can mean physical healing, but it can also mean spiritual healing. It can be literal healing or metaphoric healing. For example, the word can be used literally in Exodus 15, 27. This is what God told the nation of Israel. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, for I have brought... 
upon that I have brought upon the Egyptian, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And that is one of God's names in the Old Testament. Jehovah Rufi, Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord, our healer. Now, when God was speaking here in Exodus 15, he was talking about literal, physical healing. Amen? And God is saying, I am the God that healeth thee. I'm the one who brings you healing. So the word here, healing, Rapha, can be understood in a physical, literal sense. But it can also be understood in a spiritual sense. What do, what do you mean by that? Let's look at a couple of examples. Psalm 41.4. Look at this. I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. And look what the psalmist said. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. So the psalmist sinned against God. He committed sin against God. And what is he asking for? He's not asking for forgiveness. He's asking for healing, right? He said, God, heal my soul because I have sinned against you. Well, in a way, he's asking for forgiveness, right? But he's using the word heal or healing in a metaphoric sense, not in a literal sense. And we see this in multiple examples throughout the scripture that healing can be physical, but healing can also be spiritual, can be metaphoric. Jeremiah 3.22 Return you backsliding children and I will do what? Not forgive your backsliding. I will heal your backsliding. So again, healing can be a literal healing, physical healing, but it can also be spiritual healing. What we can see here is that sometimes the Bible describes our sinning against God. As if it is a sickness, as if it is a disease that needs healing. Amen? So sin, one of the description, one of the metaphors that the scripture uses here to, to describe how sin looks like. Sin which is breaking the law of God, like lying, stealing, manipulating, whatever sin you commit. One of the descriptions that the Bible used to describe it when you sin against God is it is sickness that you need to be healed from. Amen? Now, the word Rapha that we have looked into was used six times in the book of Isaiah. Okay? One right here in Isaiah 53, 5, by his tribes we were healed. Almost exclusively, the other five times in the book of Isaiah, that word was used in a metaphoric spiritual sense, not in a physical sense of healing. Amen? Isaiah 6, 10. Make the heart of this. Now, as God appeared to Isaiah and he's calling him to the ministry and he's saying this. Make the heart of these people fat and make their ears heavy and shut their eyes. Lest, see, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understood with their hearts and convert and what? Be and be healed. Obviously, God is talking about healing from sin as a spiritual disease, not physical healing. Amen? Isaiah 19.22 And the Lord shall smite Egypt. He shall smite it and does what? Heal it. So obviously he's talking about God healing the nation of Egypt in a spiritual, in a, in a, in a metaphoric, not a literal sense. Isaiah 30, 26. In that day the Lord bindeth up and preach his, of his, the, bind up the preach of his people and healeth the stroke of their wound. Amen. 
57, 18, and 19. I have seen his way and will heal him. Again, God is talking about backsliding. He's not talking about physical healing. Because right before that, he said, I see not his sickness, but I see what? His way. And I will heal him. I will lead him also. And the verse right after that in verse 19, I create the fruit of the lips, uh, peace, peace to him. That is far off, and to him that is near, saith the Lord, I will do what? Heal him. Again, almost exclusively, every single time, we don't, we're trying to look into Isaiah 53 to see what Isaiah is trying to tell us. But apart from Isaiah 53 verse 5, almost every single time we see that the, this word is used in a metaphoric sense as healing from spiritual disease, which is sin, not of a physical healing of a physical disease. Amen? Amen. It will look like, it will seem like, it will make sense like if Isaiah used that word metaphorically every single other time he used that word in his book, that what he talks about here in Isaiah 53 verse 5, he's talking about metaphoric spiritual healing rather than physical healing. Amen? Just by virtue of association. Not always true, but we're talking about more of the way of the evidence versus that exclusive evidence. Amen? So it looks like if Isaiah used that word every single time in a metaphoric way, then chances are he's using it here also in a metaphoric way, not in a physical way. Amen? amen. You follow me so far? Okay, now let's move on to the New Testament. Because that phrase, by his stripes you were healed, was quoted verbatim in 1 Peter chapter 2. As a matter of fact, we're going to read through uh, part of that passage in 1 Peter 2. And we're going to see that Isaiah 53 was the foundation of what Peter was quoting in the New Testament. He, he referenced Isaiah 53 multiple times. So let's look at that. 1 Peter 22, 22-25. In that passage, Peter is talking to slaves, the actual physical slaves. And he's trying to encourage them to endure the cruelty of their masters. And he says, just even if your master treats you wrong, you be the Christian and you do the right thing and you endure that cruelty. And in order for Peter to encourage the slaves to be patient and endure the suffering that might come their way, He's using Jesus as an example that Jesus himself endured pain and suffering when he, didn't, when he did nothing wrong. Amen? So that is the context here of 1 Peter 2, 22-25. Let's read that. I can read it for you. Now, he's talk, Peter's talking, again, referencing Jesus as, as a reference where the slaves can look back into. And he said, Jesus, who committed no sin, nor there was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was um, rivaled, did not rival in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judged righteously. When Jesus was suffered, he didn't return back the suffering. He didn't answer back. He just took it in and he was patient and he committed himself to God who judged righteously. Verse 24. He who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness. By whose stripes, now that's Isaiah 53, verse 5, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Amen? Now look at this. 
If you drew a, a parallel, a comparison between Isaiah 53 and Peter 1, chapter 2, verse 22 to 25, you're going to see that Isaiah 53 was the foundation of everything that Peter was talking about here. And in verse 22, Peter said he committed no sin, nor there was deceit in his mouth. And that's actually kind of a quote from Isaiah 53 verse 9 that we haven't discussed yet. And Isaiah 53 9 says this, For he has done no violence, nor there was deceit in his mouth. Amen? Yeah. And then if you continue verse 22... Um, I'm sorry, if you go to verse 24, it says that, that he himself bore our sins in his body on that tree. And isn't that exactly kind of what Isaiah was telling us in verses 11 and 12? We haven't discussed that yet, but it says, For by his knowledge my righteous servants shall justify many, for he shall do what? Bear their iniquities. Verse 12. He was numbered with the transgressors and he did what? And he bore the sin of many. Verse 24. C. When Peter said, and by his stripes were healed. We know this is a direct quote from Isaiah 53.5. When Isaiah talked about the servant and he said, by his stripes you were healed. Amen. And then in verse 25, it says, if you continue after that, it says, For you were like sheep, right? Have gone astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your soul. And if you continue reading in Isaiah 53, verse 6, it says this, And we all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So you can see that it's almost... Like Peter definitely has Isaiah 53 in mind, right? He almost quoted it, um, you know, just almost verbatim and so many times. Reference it at least four or five times in that just three verses that we have just read. Amen? You guys follow me so far? Yeah. All right. Now the word that Peter used here, the Greek word that Peter used here is molopas, which literally means a, a, a bruise or a wound from a stripe. It's the exact same word that the Septuagint used to translate the Old Testament. It's the only word that the Hebrew intended. It's when you have a wound because of a blow when you get, uh, when you hit by stripes. Amen. And Peter said here that by his stripes you were healed. And right after that he says, okay, let's look at what Peter's trying to tell us here. Let me back up for a minute. Let's go before and after that phrase when Peter said, by his stripes you were healed. Verse 24, for he himself bore our sins in his own body on that tree, right? So now he's talking about Jesus not taking our sickness, but taking our sins on the cross. We cannot separate them, but the focus here is sins. Amen? Jesus took our sins on the cross. And then after that, he says, by his stripes you were healed. And then after by his stripes he, you were healed, he says, for you were like sheep, have gone astray far away from the salvation of God. But now you have come back in, in salvation terms to the shepherd and the overseer of your soul. Amen? So the whole context, when Peter is quoting that scripture from Isaiah 53 verse 5, is he using the word, by his stripes you were healed. Is he speaking literally of a physical healing? Or he's speaking metaphorically of being healed of the, of the spiritual disease of sin. Figurative. Figurative, absolutely. That's the context, right? And it would make perfect sense that this is the way how Peter understood Isaiah 53 verse 5. He did not understand that in a literal sense that Jesus 
he was stricken off on our behalf on the cross so we can be physically healed but rather he was stricken on our behalf on the cross so we can be spiritually healed from the sickness of sin from the spiritual sickness of sin amen so does that verse tell us that there is physical healing in the atonement or this verse doesn't tell us that there is physical healing in the atonement that particular phrase probably does not tell us that there is physical healing in the atonement. Amen? But it doesn't mean that there is no physical healing in the atonement because there's other verses that tells us that very clearly. Amen? Two weeks ago, we spoke about how Jesus took our sickness and our disease upon himself on the cross when he died for us. So there's no question about it that there is physical healing in the atonement. And I would have no problem with a Christian like saying, Oh, Jesus healed me because the Bible say by his stripes I'm healed. I have no problem with that. Because when you say that, in a way you're saying, I am healed just because Jesus paid for my healing on the cross. And there's nothing wrong with that. Amen? We know that every spiritual blessing, including miraculous healing, is provided to sinful human beings like you and me only on the merits of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Amen? You can't get anything good from God if it's not paid for through the cross of Christ, including physical healing. We discussed this two weeks ago. Amen? Yes. You guys follow me? Yeah. Okay, moving forward. So what does that mean? So what does it mean that through the scourging or the, 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 the stripes that Jesus has, well, actually, let me back off a little bit as well. That word in both Greek and Hebrew is in the singular. It's not multiple, it's not plural. It doesn't talk about multiple stripes. It talks about the one stripe that Jesus has took on the cross. Amen? If you're going to use it in a plural sense, it's obviously a collective plural, like multiple stripes refer to the one large strike that he took on our behalf on the cross. Amen? Both Hebrew and Greek they actually both singular. So when, when either Isaiah or Peter talks about Jesus being scourged for our healing, yes Jesus was literally scourged before the cross but that's not precisely what either Isaiah or Peter was referring to when they say by his stripes we were healed. Amen? I think they're more referring to the massive blow, the massive strike that Jesus has took on the cross from God the Father, not from the human being. And by that punishment that he endured on the cross, by that strike, by that blow, you and I can be healed from our spiritual sicknesses and from our spiritual disease. Amen? So... Both, I believe both Isaiah and Peter here are talking more about how Jesus died to be our substitute on the cross to take the punishment that you and I deserve. They just refer to that punishment in, in a word that's called a stripe. And we see different description for how Jesus was punished, right? He, he was uh, smitten, he was stricken, he was crushed. This is what Isaiah said, right? He was smitten, he was stricken, he was crushed, and he was scourged on our behalf on the cross. So there is many description to describe the exact same thing which is how Jesus took our place on the cross, paid our punishment so you and I can be reconciled with God. Amen? Amen. Well that was the introduction. Let me start the sermon. Amen. <laughs> Alright. So let's, um, let's look into um, what does it mean that Jesus um, was stricken on us on our behalf on the cross and by his stripe that massive blow that he took on our behalf on the cross we are healed amen what does it mean the bible again 
When we sin against God, the Bible uses different description to tell us what does it mean and how does it look like when you sin against God. The very simple definition of sin is, what is sin? Sin is... Is missing. Sin is actually uh, to transgress the law of God. That's what the Bible tells us. Is when you break the commandment of God. That's that's what sin. That's the very that's the very biblical definition of sin. Literally breaking the commandment of God. When God say don't lie, you lie. When God say don't steal, you steal. When God say don't commit adultery, you commit adultery. Breaking the very law of God is what the Bible calls sin. Whatever law that is, if you break one of the laws of God, you are guilty before a holy and a righteous God. And the Bible used many metaphors to describe sin. One of these metaphors that the scripture uses is sin is a sickness. It's a disease. And we're going to look into that and see how sickness is, is a picture of sin. Or the other way around. But there are many scriptures in the Bible that plainly tells us that sin is just like a sickness. Probably the most famous ones that we all know is Second Chronicles 7.14. We all know the scripture if you're a believer. And it says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and turn and seek from seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will do what? Heal their land. Obviously, God is not talking about physical healing. Amen? He's talking about spiritual healing. That happened because when you transgress the law of God, you are sick before a holy and a righteous God. Amen? Um, Luke 4, 18. This is what Jesus said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to do what? Heal. heal the brokenhearted because this is what sin does sin is a sickness and you need healing from that sickness amen, amen. we talked about the leper I didn't know put this one down but we spent three weeks talking about the law of the leper in the book of Leviticus and how his leprosy is a picture of sin Leprosy is a sickness, right? But God never said you should heal the leper. He said you should cleanse the leper, right? Because leprosy, even though it is a disease, yet it is a picture that represents the filth of sin and how it's affecting us. Amen? So let's talk about that. How is sin and these sicknesses are similar to each other? If you haven't remembered anything I'm telling you about, just don't worry about it. Just focus with me right now. Amen? How sickness and sin are similar to each other. Number one, sickness can affect everybody. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Do you hear me right now? I'm sick, right? I'm your pastor. Supposedly the holiest person in this room. <laughs> and I'm sick. Amen? <laughs> you, sickness affects everybody. It doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're good, if you're bad. You can be the Mother Teresa. You can be Osama Bin Laden. You're going to get sick. That's just the fact of the matter. Amen? Amen. Even in the Bible, we see that the, the, the mighty men like Naaman in the Old Testament, who was like a, a leader of the army in 2 Kings 5, he got sick. He has leprosy. And then we see the slave got sick in Luke chapter 7. We see the rich person get sick. And that's... Um, uh, like King Hezekiah in Isaiah 38. That's a king. He gets sick. And then we see the, the, the beggar at, 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 at the rich man's feet in Luke chapter 16. He's sick. He's stricken with skin disease. Amen? So everybody gets sick. It doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're strong, if you're, if you're weak. It doesn't matter what's your background. You get sick. Amen? And the same thing when it comes to sin. We all have sinned before a holy and a righteous God. Amen? 
Romans 3.23, very famous. Look at this. For how many? All. All have sinned and fall short from from the from before the glory of God. We all have sinned before God. Amen. If there is seven billion people in this world, how many you think have not sinned? None. None. Every single one is a sinner before a holy and a righteous God. There are some bad sinners, really, really bad sinners, and not very bad sinners. But the fact of the matter is, we're all sinners before a holy and a righteous God. Amen? Yes. I use this analogy. Maybe it will help us. When you see one of these um, pop machines, soda machine, and it says $1 for a can of soda. I might have told you that before. $1 for a can of soda. Now, Brother Emmanuel here has 80 cents, and I have 10 cents. Which one of us you think is able to buy that soda? Neither one of us. But he has 80, and I have only 10. He's 10 eight times richer than me, right? But yes, he, if you compare him to me, he's much better than me. He's a whole lot richer than me, right? But when you compare both of us to the standard of getting that so that neither one of us can actually get it. Amen? And that's the exact same thing when it comes to God. Some people try to do good. Some people don't care about doing good, right? So when you compare the person who's trying versus the person who doesn't try, you would say, oh, the person who's trying is far much better, right? And he is in so many ways, right? But when it comes to the standard of God, we all have sinned and none of us is good enough to enter heaven based on all in their own merits. Amen? Yeah. We all have sinned. Yeah. But number two, sickness is an affliction. It's a torment. It is suffering. It is not fun to be sick. Amen? Matthew 4 24 this is what the Bible say about Jesus then his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought to him all sick people who were enjoying various sicknesses and torments right does it say that what does it say they were not enjoying it they were afflicted with different sicknesses and torments right because sickness is tormenting you you'll feel awful you stay in bed you can't move you're miserable you can't work and not to mention that it can be associated with a tremendous amount of pain that you cannot even tolerate amen sickness will torment you and will afflict you and so does sin Amen? When Paul wanted to describe how sin is really bad, guess what he said? He said sin is very sinful. He couldn't find of a worse description of sin than sin. And saying sin is just very sinful. It can't be any worse than this. Sin is just very sinful. Amen? I mean, look at one example, David, King David in the Old Testament. He loved God. He did everything right. And then he sinned. He desired a woman. And look at that one sin has done into his kingdom. It ruined his kingdom. Amen? And if it wasn't for the grace and the mercy of God, David would have been struck dead because he has sinned against a holy and a righteous God. Amen? Amen. But his daughter gets raped. As a result of what he has done, two of his sons get killed as a result of what he has done. And his kingdom was about to be ruined because of what he has done. Amen? Because sin is very sinful and sin will afflict you and will haunt you. Amen? I mean, look at our 
time and age right now. What happens in every day, sexual allegations come against one of our leaders that happened 40 years ago. You think you got away with it, right? But no, sin will come back after you and they will hunt you. 40, 50 years down the road, it's still going to hunt you down. It's going to humiliate you and it's going to afflict you. Don't trust sin. Sin is very sinful. Amen? Just like sickness and disease afflicts you, sin also will afflict and torment you. But number three, sickness leads you to death. Any sickness pretty much not treated will make you die. Amen? James 1.15 talks about sin in the same way. James 1.15 says this, And when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And and sin, when it is finished, it brings forth what? Death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. You see, sin is so awful, it is so nasty, it is so sinful, that it doesn't just get satisfied by ruining your life, but it also makes you pay for it for all eternity. Amen? Yes. Why would anybody like that? You shouldn't. Sin is very awful. It afflicts you here on earth. It might give you a passing pleasure for a minute or two, for a day or two. But after that, it's going to come after you. It's going to hunt you down. It's going to afflict you and torment you because you have sinned against the holy and the righteous God. Amen? And after that, when you die, you're going to end up in a hopeless, helpless, Christless, eternal lake of fire because you have chosen to sin against the holy and the righteous God. Sin will lead you to death. But number four, also the similarities between sickness and disease. You can't heal yourself from sickness, can you? No. Not even a simple cold. Sometimes you need to go to the doctor, give you an antibiotic, right? There is nothing you can do to heal yourself when you're sick. Amen? Amen. You have COPD, cancer, asthma, whatever you call it, whatever disease you have, you can't do nothing to make yourself better. Amen? And isn't that exactly the same picture with sin? Look at this. Romans 5, 6. Look at what the scripture says. For we were, when, for when we were still without strength, when we were too weak to try to solve the problem of sin, when we did not have what it takes to make ourselves right with God because we are so weakened by sin, what happened after that? In due time, Christ died for thee and godly. Amen? Amen. So if you can't heal yourself, look at this. Think about this picture. You are afflicted by sickness. That is making you miserable and there is no, and it's leading you to death. And there is nothing you can do to heal yourself. That's pretty bad if you ask me. Don't you agree with me? Yes. So what is the answer? How can people who are stricken and smitten by a sickness that is so cruel like that. That is leading them to death. That they have nothing they can do to try to improve their status. How can these people ever have life? How can they ever be healed? Isaiah 53.5 By his stripes we were healed see what happened is this we were the ones who were smitten by sin but Jesus was sinless amen but because Jesus loved us he came down from heaven and he chose to go to the cross and he was our substitute he took our place he took our sin and when 
he took upon himself our sin and bore it upon himself, he also took the blow that we deserve from a holy and righteous God. Amen? And because Jesus was smitten on our behalf on the cross, now we can be healed from that vicious disease, that vicious sickness that the Bible called sin. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's come before the Lord in prayer.